episode six. In this episode, we're going to deep dive into a relatively, uh, what's the right way to put this, controversial topic you know, with the current cancel culture. And this is about the explorers who discovered America and like the true builders. I'm talking Cortez, Pizarro, Balboa. Um, a lot of it we're going to talk about the, the ships, <laughs> Rocky Balboa, they use for conquering, uh, yeah, for, for conquistadoring <laughs> all around the Eastern Hemisphere. Look, they may have done some bad, but they did some good too. And they were the original builders, builders of ships, builders of nations, builders of men. And we're going to celebrate that here on Builders Build Episode 6. A Colin the Mongols, Bizarro, or Balboa? Which would you, no, would you, would you more mo- look up to? The Mongols and, and <laughs> Mongols engineers were superior at all. Well, and, Lewis Under, and, and very, very underrated. Genghis? Genghis. Yes. Uh, G uh, Khan, as he's fondly referred to in podcast circles. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I know uh, this is it. We, we're not. We're not doing that. We're sorry to the uh, to, to the woke mob who who come in every time we, we do one of these podcasts and and, and try to uh, speak back to us. This is um, we, we're sorry. We're sorry for all that we've done. Uh, but here today, we're going to talk about something that I think can excite everybody, no matter their political leanings, and that is creating a product. Uh, so, yo, if, I if just you, if you've ne- I just I just want to cut in with I think this topic is potentially like the most powerful and best topic that we can can rant on. And uh, that I, I say that to say I know I'm going to be disappointed by this episode just because of how much we've got in us on this. So there will probably be like five or six pods on this over the years or the, the decades, yeah. maybe. But this is still this is a primer, and you know, kind of going through all these steps of what's the process of creating a product, what are vendors to create a product, how do you partially create one and drop ship, how do you find a factory if you want to go all in, you know, what you need to know to kind of work through it in the line. We're going to go through some examples uh, that, that Colin has specifically over, over things that he, he's worked on. Then we'll even talk a little bit about you know how to make sure you're on the right path for, for doing this. Uh, and we've got a bunch of links that you'll be available kind of in the pod notes. Um, and then you know, there's even a CTA to a, uh, to a, a free ebook to help you kind of along your journey. So we're really kind of giving you the whole pack here this, this time on, on Builders Build. That CTA is going to be at builders.build slash CPG. C as in Charlie. P as in Pakistan. G as in Giardia. Genghis. Genghis. Genghis, I'm sorry. Call sign is Genghis. Real quick, real quick. What does CPG stand for? It stands for Consumer Packaged Goods and not Charlie Pakistan Genghis. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that is a term that people have a lot of questions about. I want to say real quick, I think that one thing we should... Uh, and to Colin's point about how we could do this, a, a whole bunch of these, this is going to be focused on, you know, CPG, like Lauren said, consumer packaged goods, right? Not info, where I know there's like a lot of, uh, there's a lot of people talking about product creation. We can oh, do a whole other pod yeah. on that, right? Yeah. That's very, very yeah, different. Physical all- product creation. That's a, that's a good call out. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. And, look, and no matter, and to set the stage, even if you do create other things, at some point you may want to have branded merchandise, or if you have a services business, you may want to sell some of the things that you recommend consistently in your own brand. There's any number of reasons why someone might want to do this. Even just understanding more if you work within a company of how supply chain works or how the product creation works, so you can do it better in your job as an accountant or a marketer or whatever that is. There's a number of reasons to kind of understand this process and what it is. And that leads us pretty well right into this first link that we have here, which is a link from Asana on the product development process and what it actually takes. And so this is a generally followed kind of best practice blueprint for what people will typically do if they're creating something. And I'll just kind of walk through the six steps and we can discuss for a bit. So the first step is idea generation or just brainstorming a concept. Uh, second is product definition, like actually scoping and refining that concept. What is it? Who is it for? That kind of thing. Then there's prototyping and making a first version and sampling, you know, uh, designing. Then there's validating and testing, which is actually, okay, getting this perfect enough to put to the market. And there's commercialization, which is kind of implementing the product at scale. 
And so we do have this kind of linked in the in the show notes if you want to walk through that process, but it's really pretty straightforward. But one thing I want to make sure no one misses is that you do have to kind of sample and ideate and and that's a significantly different of making one than kind of making many. Um, something I yeah. want to jump in with on this. So like th- that product definition or, and, and like really like defining the spec exactly what it is, is like, I, I think the most critical piece of this because everything that you'll do um, going forward from that point has to ladder back up to that and not being hyper, hyper clear on that can just create a lot of, a lot of wasted energy. And I think that, you know, especially if, if it is your first stab at something like this, the, um, you know, the prototyping might be a little bit lightweight and the validation and the testing might be a little bit lightweight, right? You're probably not going to jump into this and start working on a consumer electronic product. Um, I think one of a good first step on this stuff, um, if you're already in the product space is, is packaging ID and, uh, and, and then sourcing packaging, uh, overseas, um, which of course we're talking about, you know, plastics or glass or cardboard, um, which is, is pretty simple on that front. Do not start with electronics. Well, well yeah, hitting the uh, hitting, hitting the ideation phase and deciding what to create is is a big thing. And so, if you if you guys were a young entrepreneur or someone starting out trying to make a product, and Colin saying no consumer packaged goods, how would you kind of come up with an initial concept? Well, I mean, I guess my question is for you guys because I you know I have not I've been involved in a couple CPG brands in my life, but I've never actually. And this is something that's weird to think about, but I've never actually been part of the inception of it, right? So I've always come on board much later on in the process. I've been I've done some drop shipping, and then I've done and I've come in and acquired or been given equity stakes in companies that I ran digital for for consumer packaged goods. But so this is actually pretty new to me. But I know that both of you guys have a lot more experience in this space. When you have gone, you know, when you've started, you know, product ideation and development, do you actually go through a process of something that you guys have done before, or is it sort of just is it just sort of free form and it comes together or do you actually have like a structured process like this? Oren, real quick, let me throw a anecdote on this one from a friend that, that we both have in common. Um, so at, at the most basic sense, I think one interesting place to take this is like Amazon product, right? And so with, with all of the Amazon's tools uh, where you can look at keyword research and look at product and sales data for existing products in the marketplace, um, you can you can find a wealth a wealth of ideas there, and a good example of that is Orn and I have a friend who sells iPhone cables on Amazon. But you probably not be surprised to know that there is an entire world of iPhone cables on there. What Russell sells is the longest iPhone cables on Amazon, and so that that uh, you know that research project for him, I would imagine started with knowing he wanted to get into this product that is a staple in, you know, in the modern world, but what niche, what direction could he take it um, to differentiate from all of the other stuff? And uh, I would imagine through largely keyword research and then, and looking for what wasn't there, he basically ended up in these like 10 or 12 foot iPhone cables um, through looking at product sales data and Amazon searches. Yeah. And that's interesting. So I think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of what creating a product comes down to is when you see something that you want yourself and can't get is I think the number one source of inspiration that most people find where you say, you know, I really want a longer iPhone cable than what I can typically get. 
or hey, sure. you know, any kind of thing that is a pain point for you is probably a pain point for others. I think that's what you see a lot. But I think the question James asks is, asks is interesting because I don't think there is like, I don't have a brainstorm process to sit down and just come up with a product out of thin air, but there are a couple kind of tips that we can work on. So I, I'm a partner in a product development agency in Austin, really focuses on like electronics products, but we have kind of three phases which we try to lump people into. One is like, hey, do you just have an idea, but it's not real? It's not even prototyped yet? Or two, do you have an idea, but it's not commercialized? Like you've made a thing or prototyped a thing, but you haven't actually made it to sell? Or third, are you already selling something, but it's too expensive or you need to make it better? I think those are kind of like the three lumps that they're in. But to get to that first phase, a lot of it is, did you see something that inspired you? Or B, what do you have a, a connection to? I think we'll talk about this in one of Colin's threads later on about, you know, he helped his barber create some products because his barber's selling someone else's products. He already has an audience for it. But I think James, this ties really well into you. Like if you're agnostic and you know you want to be a product creator, you want to sell something, but you don't know what, what can you buy a digital asset for that gives you a launch point, like an existing website or a social media account to tie in? I think James, this is perfect to you know, talk about what you've been working on, right? With like with the dog frisbee, because yeah. you know, you're selling affiliates <laughs> for other people right now. But if you said, "Hey, I'm actually getting enough volume to make a thousand of my own dog frisbees," like you could work through that. So if you were someone who wanted to, you know, vet a a uh, like an existing like a little okay, I want to start with an audience. You know, what would you look for? What would you recommend they look for to actually find that audience and then develop a product for it? That's a great question. So actually, we've been testing just shout outs on theme pages from uh, from dog based theme pages on Instagram, right? Just to see what like to see how much traffic we could drive from it. And one of the main questions I always ask the people that are selling the shout outs are because there's two things I want. One is traffic for the dog frisbee site, a but b to see the revenue that's derived from actually selling pr- promos on the account, right? Because that that sort of is an indicator to me of of the value of it and sort of what it can do. But it's been very made very clear to me from these people um, that you know that the answer really would just be to sort of build a Dropify a drop a Shopify like drop shipping store right with something like Oberlo right. So I'm incredibly uncreative. I always tell everyone that hand me a blank piece of paper and a pen and ask me to draw something and I will never be able to do it. You know, show me a drawing and hand me a blank piece of paper and pen. And ask me to copy it. I can copy it. I can make a better version of it. That's what I'm really good at. Um, so for me, product creation or sort of or, or what to sell has really come from a have, from a place of like having an audience already there looking for something, as opposed to like having trying to fulfill a need, right? So for 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 me with the dog frisbee thing, it's like okay, I know we have a website that has dog frisbees. I know that we're getting an Amazon affiliate commission on that, which is like four percent or something, right? Like something tiny, and then I can tell you that the margins on a dog frisbee, even drop shipping it would be, I don't know, probably like 40%. And then if you were to actually carry inventory and, and you know, carry inventory yourself, probably more like 60 or 70%. And I bet you if you can manufacture them, probably like 80 or 90%, right? And so and that brings up a whole alpha. different, you know, yeah. I mean, there's a whole different level. We There's a, there's a, a company I own a piece of that currently has a patent that they've, that they've filed for, um, uh, atmospheric uh, 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 water generation. Anyway, it pulls water out of the air like a dehumidifier, right? But on mass, and uh, what they're trying to figure out is how you manufacture that, right? Because, and I think maybe that's another thing we can dive into. But there's a very big difference between the creation of a product and then how do you manufacture it at, at scale? Those are two totally different things, right? Because it's one thing to be like, we can build one of these once, versus how do we build these? How do we build a million of these a year, right? And how do they get to you know QC, right? Like quality control and make sure that everything fits and everything makes sense and that everything works. And that's just a totally a totally different beast. Um, 
But I think that if we go from there into sort of the, the next the next note, which is the kind of different kinds of, of, of products, right? We have white labor white, white labelers here. And I've played a little bit in that space, but I think that Colin knows a good amount about the white label space, right? Am I wrong? Uh, is it I mean, and I want to give a quick, uh, I'll give a quick intro to that to segue from where we were, because I think it's important that I, we'll differentiate this pot into two halves. One is you're creating a product if you have an audience and one is creating a product if you don't. And you need something kind of just to start from scratch needs to be really compelling. So if you have an audience, whether you just bought one from a digital estate or you're an influencer, or you have access to an email list or you have existing business, that's kind of what we'll, that white labeling is the easy, easiest solution for you, right? You're going to go say, hey, there's an existing service and I can just plug one into another and immediately kind of make money by saying I have these existing people that like to James point, like, okay, cool, I have 400 people coming to me a month are looking for dog frisbees. I'm going to just going to fill that gap. Then you're really easily served by a white labeler. If you want to go all in and get more margin, you can go deep. Uh, and I think the minimum threshold, because I've had this conversation with people a lot, is do you think you can sell a thousand units to your audience over a period of time before it becomes either irrelevant or it goes bad? Because that's where you get a lot of economies of scale. And then I will 100% pass this over to Colin for the white labelers. I do think he probably knows more than any of us about this of like, all right, so what is a white labeler? You know, what do they charge? And I think he has a really compelling um, thread about how he kind of uh, helped his barber do this and how he found it. So I think we can kind of have the, the Collins section here kind of rolling through some of that. So real quick, I think by definition, white label more or less means slapping your own brand or label, uh, as the name alludes to, onto a product uh, that exists, um, right? Like in a very just like not... Uh, not modifying it at all, not adding adding any value to it, just branding it. Yeah. And, or, or modifying and it slightly, I think is probably where yeah. to look at. Yeah. You don't modify sure. it at all or you give it some <clears throat> twist, right? I think we've talked about this in a previous sure. pod of like, okay, we're having this supplement, but we're adding charcoal, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. Right, right, yep. Um, so uh, in, in terms of what you guys are alluding to, my family business for years and years was a uh, national organic uh, skincare and cosmetic manufacturer that's based here in Portland. Um, so there's a 60,000 square foot manufacturing facility that's, you know, behind brands that are on the shelf at your grocery store, on Shark Tank, on Amazon, all the above. And, uh, really they, they have the full gamut, right? They go from, yes, like they have a ready to label line that is literally just like, here's a men's shampoo and you slap your brand on it and go, um, uh, to the other end of the spectrum, which is full blown, uh, product development. And then the in-between point that Oren mentioned of just like adding, um, you know, modifying slightly, adding an agreement, an, an ingredient, adding a scent, so on and so forth. So there's a full spectrum there. And uh, I don't know, the, the cosmetic and skincare space is an interesting one because it, it's super competitive because there's so much margin. I think on the, the manufacturing business that, you know, of course, is B2B, right? They're selling bulk and wholesale. The margins there were like, absolutely bananas right and then you go into the retail shelf where like the bottle of paul mitchell shampoo that's on the shelf at your salon for 35 dollars probably cost three and a half um to to make for the brand um so it, it's a very very competitive space because how much margin there is um and i think the point of this this podcast is, is that it's very very simple to get started in so um I don't know. We can dive through this thread that we have linked here. Again, this yeah, will be I in the show notes. Could, like, you just kind of even just tell it like a story because like you actually experienced yeah. it. Like, all right, you sat down your barber one day. What happened? Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ruin it with the punchline of he hasn't done this. He should. 
Um, <laughs> uh, well, that's the zero to one that I think is that that's the biggest overarching thing throughout all this is that we're going to listen uh, if you're a builder's bill listener that you want to start, you want to go zero to doing one. It. If you're not doing that, Shout out DM me. I will personally give you an inspirational speech. And if that doesn't work, <laughs> then James will follow it up. And if that doesn't work, then Colin will follow that up because we are here to help you build. That's all that matters. Let's is go. So I guess yeah, yeah. As the story goes, right? So any any uh, salon barber, right? They're selling products. Uh, you know, Paul Mitchell is a salon only brand. Um, in the case of my barber, he's a small local shop, and he's got like uh, particularly like local products on the shelf, um, but then also some bigger hipster brands, right? So he's got like beard oils, pomades, um, this kind of thing on his shelf. And uh, we're sitting there and I'm getting my haircut and I'm like, yo, those should be the, the shop's name is Cowlick. And I told him these products should be Cowlick products. It's way easier than, than you'd think. And he's like, oh, like, really tell me more. Right. Um, and he kind of kn- knew my background or knew my, my dad's business's background on that. So um, the gist of it is all of these products exist in a what is called a base form. Right. So um, the example that we use for him was a hair wax or a pomade, right? So I can go and get uh, whether I want, you know, a 16 ounce sample size or a gallon or a five gallon bucket all the way up to a 350 gallon tote of a base pomade, um, right? Just like not much scent. It smells like the ingredients that are in it. That's it. Um, and so I can just go buy this base. All right. Then then the next step is is scenting. Okay. So from a scenting standpoint, Right, I can use you know essential essential oils. Um, if I go to a, a business like the one that we're referencing, I can use an essential oil blend. Right, so I might get like the what are the examples I used here? Um, the uh, the breathe green essential oil blend or the clarity essential oil blend. Right, and then yeah, and then I take my base. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, uh, so so then I take my base. I take my base and I uh, you know. There's another bunch of optionality there, right? Just a very, very subtle scent, a very, very strong scent, and and when you dive into go, think about being at the store and you've got all these shampoos, right? Some of them you can smell from standing in the aisle. Some of them are more subtle. All these are product decisions that ha- are happening in the R and D phase at at these big, big cosmetic brand houses in a lot of cases, right? Um, and so the the scenting is another uh, another piece of the cost model, which I'm sure we'll talk about some. Then obviously the packaging, which in the case of a you know for this example we're talking about a a hipster barbershop uh, pomade brand, right? So like a a uh, amber glass jar and a metal tin uh, lid, perfect, right? You don't need to do something incredibly custom where you have to have a minimum minimum run of ten thousand jars or something. Uh, you just use something. Use something off the uh, off the rack, and then you label it or brand it. Right, that comes back to the white label thing, um, and uh, and then you get to it. And and so even even after all of these product decisions, um, you know, a lot of these manufacturers, and and this applies outside of the skincare and cosmetic space too, um, right? You can have them take it all the way to the finish line for you and bottle it and label it and and package it. Or you can get the bulk from them and then do this yourself in your own facility. Or if you're getting started, so you can go to the farmer's market this weekend, uh, you could do it in, in your own kitchen too, right? I think there, there's a ton of small skincare brands that either started in or, or still operate in people's kitchen. Um, it's a, it's a kind of cool, interesting space. Um, that's literally the end, right? That's It's that simple. Like in the case of skincare cosmetics, which is a 
multi-billion dollar industry. It is like base, add scenting, maybe add a couple of ingredients, put it in a bar, put it in a jar or a container, label it and, and go. Um, and you just made a product. And, to, and so I've uh, linked here inside the, sh- in the show notes, you'll see that there's a, actually, go ahead, go ahead James. I was going to say, no, you know, to, to go back again, I, I don't have experience with the ideation part here, but interestingly enough, I just thought of this and I always like keep all these things in front of me, but here's, there's a, a, a CPG brand that I used to own a piece of and run digital for called Kanuka and Kanuka was Manuka honey. This is how and, we met. Uh, CPG. Yeah. Yeah. This is how we met. Kanuka. I was running digital Got for the Kanuka. time. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, they, uh, it started out, the brand was originally called hemp and honey and there was a guy making it and his, you know, him and his wife were making it in their, uh, in their in their kitchen and it's called hemp and honey and then uh basically a group i was working with and another group called ggp which was like a big is a big fund in the cannabis space came in and, and bought it up and renamed it kanuka and sort of took it and went from doing you know a couple hundred thousand dollars a year out of someone's kitchen to doing like 12 million dollars a year um right and being a 2000 alta stores and neiman marcus nordstrom you know all these all these big places anyway so it's interesting to see when you tell this that that, that breakdown to like think about sort of that process that can really can go from just like someone making something in their kitchen in a pot on their stove, right. Into like actual serious uh, manufacturing and selling eight figures of product a year. It's just, it's exciting to actually see that get done sometimes. So it was just a fun anecdote to think about. Uh, and so in, inside the show notes, we got some links to a series of resources for this, just like links to a bunch of white labelers and supplements and a bunch of white labelers and hair care. But I will hit him with the free game alert that I think if, if I was going to say, hey, I want to take advantage of this, if I didn't have an audience, but I want to harness someone's audience is the barbershop example is great. Like there was a chain in Austin called Finley's that doesn't sell any of their own products. There's like seven of them sitting around. And if I wanted to go make money right now by making a product for someone, I would go say, hey, let's take all their top selling SKUs. Just look at them, make a list. Find one of these white labelers, say, cool, let's get some subtly scented samples of these more like ASAP, like yep. tree scented you know, a little bit kind of piney, uh, you know, let's, let's get some samples of that. Go to these folks, say, how much do these do sell all the time anyway? Hey, can we white label a line for you? We sell through all seven of your stores and do some kind of profit split on it, throw their logo on it, et cetera. And then since it's kind of a higher end barbershop, I also wouldn't stop there. I'd go get some like super nice straight razors, you know, like, like hundred, $200, you know, like just it may, yeah. embossed with, with like a logo. With like a wood case. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Koa. You, you got the I whole mean? line. Like, uh, yeah. A right. fine teak and yeah and then just you know and really so you have kind of some normal end and you have some kind of high end right there and then they're gonna be like hey look here's this presentation like we i can take care of this i can take care of the third-party logistics for it you, know, you need to put x amount down we're gonna split the profit on the back end you know or whatever that looks like but there's a lot of free game just in connecting the dots and knowing how to do this to these people with an existing audience who are giving up that margin today to you know, companies that they just buy and resell for. And there is just a huge market in there and white labeling it. And the best part of it, especially with these kind of products, is that the quality is going to be the same. These people are already making the brands that they're already putting out there. Right, it's just exactly. a question of are you going to go do the work? And then who has the availability at the point of sale? And that's why chains is interesting because, you know, look, your bar might have said, hey, I can't really put down for a thousand units. I either don't have the cash or I don't see the volume or whatever it is. You get seven stores and they're selling much of that every day. They can really quickly do the math and say, yeah, I can hit this minimum order quantity. Um, yep. And so moving on a bit from that into kind of the next phase we have here, there's also this kind of idea of partial product creation. So to take it a step further from the white labeling, if I want to get a physical product on, you know, on the internet, I don't want to go hunt down something totally custom. And I don't know as much about this. Um, I haven't done a lot on here, but like DHgate and AliExpress and even the concept of drop shipping. And so drop shipping is where 
you don't touch the product, someone else makes it and you kind of piece it together. I'd love to, you know, if you guys have any kind of thoughts on those platforms, how to put it together. James, I know you have some experience with Orberlo. You know, I'd love to kind of hear more about this idea of like the partial product creation. I mean, dropshipping is mid. Go ahead. Yeah, dropship. No, I was going to say it's funny because I've done, um, I used to, DHG and Alibaba are really phenomenal. And if you actually speak Chinese, there's whole other websites that like make DHG and Alibaba look like a joke. And I've had people show them to me. Do, before, do you right? have, uh, yeah, any of those off the top of the head? Would love uh, no, to. But, drop no, but no, but I will, I'll, I will find out from my <laughs> friend David. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'll find it. Uh, we can put it in the show notes, right? Because it is interesting because it actually makes total oh, yeah. sense. If you think about it, like if you were in China and you're truly a manufacturer in China, would you, you know what I mean? Like there's another level to it, right? Where it's like, you know, that is for internally for people in China, right? That is just different than, than Alibaba, which is all in English, right? That, which is clearly for an international audience. Um, but yeah, you can find anything on there. I think a lot of things that people, that I think is like free game for, for people to recognize that aren't haven't been in this space before is that if you are unaware and you think that you found an actual branded good on Alibaba or DHgate for an obscenely low price, you found a knockoff. Right. And I know people that think that they haven't. Right. And they think that they just have like they found the manufacturer. They're getting it directly from the factory. Like, no, Nike does not sell directly to you. No, I'm serious. Well, who who knows about DHgate or Alibaba and thinks that they're finding real shit maybe on it. not pardon me maybe not dhgate but alibaba is i think way more Out mainstream them. than you think <laughs> well i'll tell you the, the one time the one time i, I, I ever like sold not. anything That's interesting to see the difference in thinking well no the only thing that i've ever sold uh on amazon other than affiliate commission stuff and this is a, a really quick one is i was importing uh p90x and insanity workout dvds from dhgate <laughs> And, and, uh, they were for sure not, I mean, I don't know. I don't don't know who's listening. I thought they were real. DMCA. (laughs) Yeah. We're sponsored the pod. Uh, yeah, it's out of it. So we're more than five years. I'm assuming we're five years removed from that. Right. We're at the statute of limitation. Why would you, why would you real quick? Why would you import a bootleg DVD when you could burn a bootleg DVD. No, because, the, because it came in the whole like box. 16 or whatever. It, it came the whole box Ooh. set, right? Uh, yeah, so like it came like with all the the inserts mm, like and all, everything, the right? And so, yeah. yeah, and so my thought here was that at a bare minimum, the people I was selling to, because the people that normally get screwed, well, there's two parties that get screwed with 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 counterfeit goods, right? The, 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 the creator of them who's been knocked off, but then I always feel bad more for the purchaser that's unaware, right? So I figured with a DVD... Like it's just data, right? That's just the exact. There's you, you whether you buy insanity for me or you buy it from the TV for two. Yeah, bucks, fuck everybody. Exact same. Yeah, it's <laughs> you know, just like, intellectual property. <laughs> fuck everybody on that one. <laughs> it's just it's just the same DVD. Anyway, I this had them on raw, Amazon. Raw takes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I I had them on Amazon and like I sold like thirty eight in like three hours because I had them like fifty bucks cheaper than everyone else. And I was like, and this is Sick. every every everyone has had this thought has had this moment with like, oh my god. If this happens every day, 365 days a year, I'm going to make books, right? <laughs> and, I, and I had this. I was like, oh, my God. I'm going to make like $1.2 million selling fake P90X and, and Insanity DVD box sets. And immediately, I've made Amazon it. just shut it down real quick. So then what, I, then what I did, and then I'll stop this anecdote, is I would put them on Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace. And I would go drive around. <laughs> I was just driving around yeah. in like my old hoopty car. New You're York dropping City, them off. Just dropping them off for people taking cash. Um, anyway, so that was, that was my little, my little story about that. But, um, no, I don't have, I can tell you about the Oberlo stuff, but if, if you guys, before we dive into that, like, I don't, I don't, Colin, have you, have you 
have you done any um, importing from stuff from Alibaba or DHK before? I don't want to like, I don't want to take it away. And yeah, I think we need more of the AliExpress, but yeah, I guess I think, I think Colin, just about Colin's comment earlier. I'm pretty sure we share the same, like, Hey, that's all mid, like either you go create something yourself or it's kind yeah. of, kind of useless. Well, I guess, I don't know. Like my interpretation of like AliExpress is that it's like kind of halfway Amazon esque. Um, yeah. I've, I've done. Yeah. I haven't done just like straight up, like white label or private label, you know, so a lot of the stuff you, you find on Amazon, you can jump on Alibaba. It's sitting right there and you have it made in a, in a box with your brand and, and it, it's yours, right? Private label, white label, yeah. so on and so forth. Um, I haven't done anything like that. I've at least taken something a step further and, and customized it a little bit, which I think in this day and age is like kind of the only way to do it. Unless like we were saying earlier, you have a built in audience where, if they're getting a good product, they don't really care that it's like very similar to something that they may be able to find somewhere else. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, the, I think the the vast majority, like volume and dollar wise, of what I've done on Alibaba is packaging. Um, but I've definitely sure. developed a couple of products and and developed packaging. You know, I think my the first packaging product I worked on on Alibaba uh, took a year because it it wasn't very typical. We had like four or five sample cycles. Um, a lot of DHL packages showing up. Uh, giddy. Yeah, to see what, the, get see the what does the process look like? If you're going, you have to go five times, to get around a, a packaging. Like what are you looking for? What are the problems? What do people watch out for if they're doing it for the first time? Yeah. So, um, God, what a good question. I think round one is like, you know, send me samples from your factory. I want to see if they're any good. And th this applies whether you're doing packaging or something more complex, right? Like just send me, send me the goods, um, the, the sample kit. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of factories will, will send you this for free if they can tell that you're serious. Um, and it's also super reasonable for them to ask you to pay for it um, if they're unsure because a, a DHL shipment is, you know, what, probably 40, 45 bucks um, alone yeah. these days. So getting, getting the sample kit is step one, right? Um, and when you're doing that, you should 100% get samples of things that are like in the category or in the space that you're looking for, right? Um, and I'm, I'm speaking especially to packaging because a lot of packaging manufacturers will do a very, very broad range, right? Ask for, I want examples of things like this that you've done before. Um, I always, always use comps, right? Like looks like this has the, you know, the finish on the, on the paperboard is this yada, 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 right. Always use examples. Uh, so that's round one. Um, and then very quickly you get into like actual design, right? So, uh, this comes back to the product spec, right? So with, with an exact spec, um, your manufacturer can give you die lines. Again, this is whether the, this is the die line for like some sort of electronics product prod product, or a package, uh, you know, a cardboard box, a jar. And so a die line is basically a, a file that lays out all of the surfaces on the product uh, that you can do something with, right? Uh, whether it's, uh, and, and so then with this, whether you're defining the finish or the, uh, the design that's going on to it or the text or, or, or so on and so forth. And, and with that, uh, you can kind of get cooking, right? And so then ultimately where you want to get to is a production sample. Um, and it'll depend, you know, how much back and forth it takes to get there. But a production sample is like, great. I want the sample of the thing that you're going to go and make a hundred thousand of. Um, and, uh, that is the, uh, the last one before the big day and, and before you hit go. And, uh, yeah, that I'm going to stop rambling on it, but 
There we go. No, I love that. You know what I love about this is is that like when I'm thinking about this because Oren, you know, has a has a piece of a of a of a uh, uh, an agency that that sort of creates products. You've done a lot of the sourcing for packaging, and then like just three different angles because like it's funny because you know other than the P90X stuff, right? Like I just I have done a little bit of the really really kitschy crappy drop shipping stuff, and so I think it's funny. It's just interesting the two three totally different perspectives on like product creation and like and sales of, of products, and I think that's a really I right. I have no experience at all in what you've done there, Colin. Like so, it's really interesting for me to to hear because I've been around people that have done that, but I've never actually been involved in any of that at all. Like I've never flown out to China. Mm-hmm. Right to go to walk uh, the floor of factory. Neither have I. Right. Neither have oh, I. Oh, really? I've, I thought you I've made not. friends I know, with. I know, uh, I know Oren has. Oh, we're 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 friends. We're friends absolutely. We we send each other pics of of our kids. Uh, she's visited me a couple of times. Um, okay, cool. But uh, I That's haven't been out said. there. I'm yeah. jealous. But I, you know, I, I really, so really quick, I have. I have a challenge, maybe the world word, but in the ethos of builders build and taking action and learning. Let's Here's go. what I think. Yo, first of all, how many how many frisbees are sold through your dog frisbee site every month? I mean, so far like through the affiliate probably program, like, probably like thirty or forty. I mean, I could check right now, but oh, probably like this, thirty. Or 40. Bro, this is easy. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. This, this is easy. This I mean, is going to be purely an experiment one today. So when you, you know, so uh, well, we can discuss offline when you have a girl over and she sees a pile of frisbees in your living room. I'll give you the whole <laughs> background story yeah, you give yeah, her, so yeah. she doesn't think you're weird. It's just part of the but, game, brother. <laughs> but but look, so so for you for, to for you to learn this, and you can days. totally. That's perfect, because you, you can totally do this uh, at a at a small volume. But we are, like, we're, yeah, but we're we're gonna ten x. We're gonna ten x <laughs> yeah. the, the the profit the, that the, you're the, making off yeah. off that site straight up. Yeah, so Yo, here's what you're gonna do: twenty twenty two silicone soft frisbee pipe, pet yeah. resi- dog resistant, forty eight cents, hundred moq. Let's go, <laughs> hundred moq. Now the question will be forty eight cents, forty eight cents. So the question will be: Do they have a packaging option? What is the moq? That's minimum order quantity. Um, if you yeah. brand the packaging, it's probably way higher. So you're going to bootleg the packaging and we can just get a like a, a dope, like a matte finish plastic bag, probably stateside that we can screen print or something similar to do like a branded package and do like 100 of them or 250 of them without going big um, that this this thing can slide into. You, you do that, you will have for like a buck 50 landed, you will have a branded Frisbee. And then you are going to ship those things out of your living room to to see if this works and see if it's viable. Once it is, you know, then we go back and we order we order a thousand of them or ten thousand of them. We send them directly to a fulfillment center, and we're cooking. To so give you context, so hit, hit one, a couple of those terms. Go go ahead. Yes. Yeah, no, so the one I sold today because I sold I sold one today sold for nineteen dollars and seventy nine cents. So to think about margins here, right? If I could if I if I could hypothetically like landed come in at like. 250 with packaging right like and then even if i paid for the shipping maybe you're paying four bucks in total to get it to them right so that still leaves you with like a 80 percent net margin right like gross and net because <laughs> yeah. i have no cost of Let's you know go. what i mean like so that's yeah. well, and, and then yeah and we're going to cook from there too uh i, I want to give just in case people don't want to follow along some of the terminology so moq minimum order quantity typically when you go to these sites you'll see like you need to order at least five pieces or at least 100 pieces but then when you actually look at it they're going to charge you some flat rates for shipping no matter what 
So you're usually better off kind of ordering more. And then what Colin mentioned, I really want to call out is ask if they'll just do the packaging for you. Because what happens a lot is you actually order them and they'll come packaged, but they'll be in like weird Chinese packaging. And you could have circumvented that process or by just getting your logo right. printed on it. Yeah. yeah. And then what do you mention about someone else fulfilling it? That's called a 3PL or third, a third party, you know, uh, Logistics, something in logistics. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and I, we've got a list of those that, that we can link in here too for companies of different sizes, but that's all kind of critical. But the other part of this too, is that you can build an ecosystem when you're selling. So for instance, while, while, uh, Colin was giving the breakdown there. I was just scrolling through Alibaba where I searched just dog Frisbee. In addition to the initial one we found for the 48 cents, I also found a dog Frisbee slash chew toy that is a little more like 269, but would be a perfect kind of add-on product where you said, okay, cool. We're buying a Frisbee. Do you also want the Frisbee slash chew toy to try that for an additional 10 bucks? Sure. And you're building that order size up where it makes more sense for him to go to the post office, right? And say, cool, now I'm having a $35 order versus a $20 order. And these are all the kind of things to consider when, when you're making a line. I think we can we can transition probably into this you know, using Alibaba you know, portion of this talk here because I think that's where we've, we've gone in. Uh, go ahead, Colin. But before, before we do, James, how much you buy the dog site for? The dog Frisbee site? Like 400 bucks. About I'll buy it from you for a for $1,000 right now. <laughs> That'd be the best flip. No, no, I got No, I need it. I need it, dude, but I do love the offer. Live, live ah. on the pod. Yo, yo, what is the price you take, brother? I, 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 listen, He's, I want to you, use you it for the case right study. You know, it's funny no, is that no, I've no, already... I'm going to say, yo, yo, no, this, no, I, no, I, you're, you're a master it's sales. It's invaluable. Lead. No it's price invaluable. invaluable to you? <laughs> 3000 right now. <laughs> yo, you're talk about a case study. Yo, talk about a case study. You bought it for 400 You sell it for 800 uh, a couple months later. Of my best friends. Like, Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I love how Colin came down the price for 200 bucks. <laughs> no, okay. But by the way, no, just to be clear, just to be clear, and, and, then, and then we'll jump away from the dog prison one just because we could do this forever. But like, I when I bought it, it was doing $11 a month. In the past 30 days, it's done 26 32 right? Like I, so like, I already know it's worth $1,000, right? Like I'm for sure I can sell it to anyone for $1,000, right? But I think just we'll get it to more. $26. Easily a thousand bucks. No, at, a, at like a thirty-six X or forty X, I'm really serious. You really would be looking no. at a thousand dollars. I'm really serious too because you, if you you do what this pod is about, which is not digital assets, but it's about making products, and you go and source a branded frisbee. Yeah, and instead of then getting those Amazon sales, you get sales on your own frisbee, which will probably convert. Probably about the same. They'll, they'll convert higher because you won't be shipping folks out, but Amazon converts crazy high. But now all of yeah. a sudden you're doing probably $400 a month. Totally. And now you no, have no, and to, I think then you'd have to sell me the site for like 10000 100%. Yeah. This, this ties well, back to the beginning of, okay, well, how are you going to find what you're going to do is it, it does make sense to start with that audience or to buy that little piece of digital real estate because yeah, we use this example. James did this as an example, but literally this this business that he's now created from X dollars to, to X dollars, plus what we just talked about. And that's a 400 to $10,000 flip in the worth of the business. Like that is yeah. the alpha that I think that we are all trying to center in on here and make sure that people see and understand is exactly this. Like take a property that exists online that you built yourself, add in some level of product creation that you can do here with mass margin, and then go sell to a third party. And just because you were able to do the work through those multiple steps, you're gaining just a ton of value. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think and, to go, you know, I, experience and experience. Well, so I, I, one the only other time I've done, and I've told you guys a little bit about this, but when I, back when I was living in Malaysia, I was, uh, I'd started buying up all these cosplay accounts, all these large cosplay based internet, uh, inter, uh, Instagram and Twitter accounts. I had like a million followers in the cosplay niche. 
And my plan with them, I, and I've sort of rebranded them all as Pop Moji and called it the Pop Moji Content Network. And the plan with them was to sell Snack. media buys to, to like Lionsgate and to Marvel, right? First, and be like, hey, you guys are going to have to spend 20 million marketing this movie. Why don't you guys just spend 100K and we'll have these famous cosplayers be on our Snapchat and our Instagram, right? Like actually doing branded content for you guys. Candidly, that I totally failed with that. And I don't think that the idea was bad. I just failed with the execution of that. So what I did instead, and this is definitely also with some copyright infringement, but was I started just drop shipping uh, like keychains, like Marvel keychains, you know what I mean? And like, and I would just like yeah. post them, a bit, you know, and just, and, uh, and use AliExpress for that. So the also like little free game alert alpha that has to do AliExpress versus Alibaba is Alibaba is for ordering wholesale. AliExpress is for ordering retail, essentially, right? Now, a lot of the AliExpress sellers will drop ship for you, but you're going to pay a larger cost on that, right? Like they want more of the margin to, to package up a singular product for you and ship it off. And the other thing you have to remember if you do drop ship this stuff is that if it's coming from China, especially with supply chain constraints that we're dealing with post-COVID and now the war, is that like it's going to take 30 to 60, maybe 90 days to get to your customer, right? So when you're selling someone to something, to someone, and they assume that they're used to Amazon where Prime shows up a day later, and all of a sudden it takes six weeks for them to get their keychain, I promise you, you're going to get some emails with some people asking you what happened to their keychain, so to speak, right? And so that's just like if you've ever, if you've ever ordered on Amazon and you, you, made a bold move and didn't buy something that was prime and it took three weeks to show up. That's what the seller was doing. They were, they were probably, yeah. they were definitely drop shipping maybe from an AliExpress or something similar. Um, and it was coming straight from China. And, and I think that that's like from a customer service perspective, like something to really, it's important to really understand. Um, and then especially when it goes back to Amazon, if you're drop shipping, I, I mean, I'm not, I don't know a ton about Amazon, but I would bet anything that sort of shipping times, uh, affect algorithm rankings of, of where your product listing is in the search. And so you're probably going to want to be able yeah, to... Well, and if I you're know, not prime, your host. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, because FBA, right, fulfilled by Amazon, right? So they want more of that margin themselves. So they have FBA 3PLs, which are these like, uh, you know, fulfillment centers where Amazon owns them and they will do the shipping out for you. And I would bet my bottom dollar that you rank higher because Amazon makes more money on those sales. But the, the last little anecdote I'll give about having audience and then selling product. So the first one, um, being the, we're talking about Colin gave the example, we could take my dog Frisbee site. Then I told you guys that I had all the Instagram pages. Um, and the last one is when I owned a really big cannabis website, we were doing millions and millions of people a year looking for financial news in the cannabis sector. But when you write about financial news, you end up having other things mentioned, right? Like we would mention a bong in an article or mention, uh, you know, a, a rolling papers or pipes. And so Initially, we were trying to find all these affiliate commission ways to do this. And then instead, what we ended up doing was we built a website called cheapsmokingaccessories.com that we sold, a very long tail exact match domain. But um, And we set it up with this with this service called Oberlo. And so for those of you that are interested in getting into dropshipping and want to make it even easier, there's something called Oberlo. And Oberlo will auto-propagate mean, you know, your website um, build a store for you essentially with uh, drop shipping products that they know exist that will come from suppliers as opposed to having to go and like Colin mentioned 
talk to suppliers, figure out what the quality looks like, test samples. These are ones that are pre-vetted and ones that work and you pay a barrel of fee for that. And so we ended up building this website and then going through MJ Observer, our old site, and anytime the word bong was mentioned or the word rolling papers, it would just link to cheapsmokingaccessories.com, which gave us a ton of link juice because we were, you know, had like a DA of like 65 or 70 at the time and gave us tons of traffic. And we didn't make a ton of money off the off the cheapsmokingaccessories.com, but I think we'd make like three or 400 bucks a month you know, net off of just just sitting there and being fulfilled automatically. Um, and so that's just a third example Works. of, you know, I, I'm not the, I'm not the creator, but I'm, I'm pretty good at finding audiences and then just plugging stuff in. I think that's for a lot of you guys out there yeah. is going to be a and much easier lift. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Well, I think it's about, it's about collaborating with the people who, who have their different skill sets. Right. Uh, and I think that what I think people imagine that the product sourcing part is harder than it, than it is. I think that's kind of one of the, the key points of why we want to do this pod and some of the content we have on here. And, and we'll dive into Alibaba kind of as an example of like, it's really, People get, uh, as soon as it's ordering from a factory overseas, you're figuring it out. Yeah, everyone gets kind of skeptical, but it's just the same as figuring out any kind of piece of technology we interact with. Like Alibaba is a search engine, and it's a search engine for vendors instead of products. And when you look at it, they have little kind of key indicators on any of these pieces when you look at them. Vendors can be verified, which means that they have excellent experience. It shows how long they've been on the platform, right? Anytime you search, like it'll just say seven years or two years, and then it'll show reviews just like anywhere else. I'll have a couple number of reviews. And then when you actually click on, on the supplier, it'll show you things like how much money has been ordered from them. It's like, hey, this, this supplier has done $17 million in, in sales in X amount of time. Uh, and you can look at all their products. And so I think the fact that you can have a pretty good faith that when you go on there and you pick a seller that has been on there for seven years, that has a number of reviews, that's done, you know, millions of dollars in product or hundreds of thousands of dollars in product, like you're going to get what you're looking for. Then the real question is, it's back to you. Do you, have you specified and thought through what you're actually trying to get? You know, what is the product? What's the quality? What's the materials? What's the packaging? You know, uh, what are your expectations? How are you going to present it to the customer and sell it? Is it unique and differentiated? And that's the kind of things that you, you handle inside this ideation process to go back to the beginning. And I think that's a set of kind of key questions that everyone should be asking about what they need to do to create and real, real, real quick, one note on that. When you actually get there and it's time to import your, whether it's a pallet or a container, and by the way, I highly recommend that you start with a pallet or something modest like that. Um, you're going to need to get customs brokers and, and dive into that whole world. Ask your supplier, hey, who do you work easily with? Who do you recommend? You can do this without setting off a flag that you're a newbie at this. Um, by, by just saying like, who do you recommend? What would make it easy for you, right? They will introduce you to a customs broker and help you figure all of this stuff out um, and, and just kind of like follow their lead on that. You kind of get to soak it up, learn how to do it. You've got it for next time and you don't have to out yourself as, as somebody who's never imported before. I, there's also a third piece yeah, here that I- This isn't good to mention. I was going to say, don't we, isn't there a third thing? And, and again, I, like I said, I've, I've, I've been involved in importing a few things here, but I don't. But I was never the person in charge of it. But aren't there often third-party QC companies that will come and like sort of check your? I, I believe they're the quality control companies that before because there's yeah. one thing that's scary is there's you order a, a couple containers of product right and they get delivered and none of it works right or some of it breaks. Like I, I believe there are third-party QC companies and maybe we can find some, put them in the show notes as well for people. Absolutely. To to well, it's and, also worth noting that Alibaba has has an assurance program for anything you buy from there. 
And, uh, and that's why I highly recommend don't leave the platform. Like you basically, you can go say, Hey, I'll wire you this money or I'll PayPal you this money or it'll do this, this transaction separately. But if you stay on the platform, there is a assurance program that will help you get your money back in the instance that there's a problem. And if you're the problem, you won't get it back. But if you got sent something <laughs> faulty, then you 100% will because people care about their reputation on there. So another reason why I highly believe in that platform and believe people should use it because you can go hire a service like James mentioned, or you can just have some level of faith in what you're doing through that platform because it's built in. Oh. Yeah. And I, I would say this all comes back to don't start with the consumer electronics product or, yeah. or something complex. <laughs> yeah, not for, for like really, if you are, yeah, get like, professional help. Yeah. Um, a great place to start, obviously, depending on like where you're at in, in your business or experience wise, is like start with the packaging, like import some cardboard. Sure. It's pretty low stakes. Yeah. That's how I felt yeah, actually. If you are going to start I, with the consumer packaging, like take take an agency like the one I'm in or another or another one. Like yeah, literally go hire Gwim Partners or hire somebody else to be that broker because that's what they're there for. And that's why you do pay because electronics are complicated and PCB and like circuit board stuff is is complicated. Um, but if you're again, if you're just solving that step of what do I order today and can I get it cheaper, that's 100% worth doing. Actually, Colin, I'd love to dive a little bit deeper into packaging because. You know, we've obviously worked a ton in packaging throughout there. It's something, one of the first things I learned how to replace overseas is I was buying stuff from uprinting.com, like boxes. And then I was like, you know, hey, should we get these boxes overseas? What are things you should be looking out for? And one I'll call out to start is uh, like weights of paper and cardboard and being really sure you have like a sample set and asking for 21 point matte uncoated and things like that. Uh, anything else you've kind of experienced as we've done packaging that's kind of worth noting or good tips for people? Man, so... Uh I'll say it again, comps, 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 right? Um, and this is like real world comps, like go to the store, go to like a Sephora and buy things that have packaging you like. So you can sit there, you can put it in your hands and then you can send pictures of that to the factory and start with that as, as the reference point because then when you get that that sample kit, you put you know what Factory X told you was their like soft touch matte finish next to the soft touch, touch matte finish that you found at Sephora and see like, how's it stack up? Um, like you just said, Oren, so. Yeah, and we should, like we've all DHL'd a bunch of packaging to China multiple times. Like I, I find ton. stuff I like all the yeah, time. Yeah, just send it, like, I, absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah, I will, like, this is a reflective box that I like a little bit better than the reflective box that we already used that I will 100% just be sending to somebody to do the same thing. Yeah. Right, um, so then what was I gonna say? Uh, Lost My bad, brother. This is just a, it's, it's just part, it's part of the game. I mean, this is why you need no, the and, uh, It helps the brain <laughs> fully digest. When you get that 200 grams a day, then my just, camera just, connection just is cutting out. out. My my mic is breaking up now. I'm just fading off. You know, and you know, this is the kind of adversity, this first world adversity that builders need to deal with. You know what I mean? <laughs> Webcam going out. You know, memory going bad with not eating enough protein. Just got the physical copy of the purple book, you know, earlier today. Like Today! You know, uh, Late to the game. Layla yeah. Hormozzi, come yeah. on our pod. We don't even want Alex Hormozzi on here. We're looking for Layla Hormozzi Layla. on the pod. You know what Let's I mean? Let's go. <laughs> uh, the real brain. Uh, so I will, I'm uh, confident uh, in that for I, sure. I would, for sure. To, just to, to, to move that along, if, if, if you've got lost the brain, uh, I will shout out. So so I have a uh, an entire little ebook on making products on Alibaba that I'm going to keep for free until I turn it into a course, but that's like two weeks away. So it's builders.build slash CPG, like we mentioned. It actually walks through sampling, creating a line versus creating a single product, doing things seasonally and working through timing of shipments, has a sample cost model in there for determining your margins and things like that. And it talks about iterating and just changing things as it goes. So you can go kind of download that for free uh, anytime. And then I want to dive into another Colin example that he had in the thread, which is the infamous water bottle thread. 
Kyle Grable yeah, is a water this. bottle guy. He, he he worked out of that, you know, uh, with with some other you know controversial threads. Uh, and uh, but but this is a good one where <laughs> yeah. uh, where he, he literally goes through. Hey, I'm going to replicate this product for for Etsy or Amazon, and what I'd do if I wanted to make money. And I think that you know, like, look, you can go download the ebook and follow all the steps and have your cost models and things as a start. But to get a little inspiration from the water bottle god himself, you know, let's break it down, brother. Water bottle god, yo. So a couple of people have noticed I posted WBG. this thread twice. And uh, and it bangs both times. He's going to post it a third time. Don't even don't even <laughs> yeah. doubt that this is oh, coming next absolutely. year. When he's like, "Yo, I'm, sh- I know, tw- you know, let's go." No, yeah. summer 2022. Let's go. Um, but uh, yeah, let's take a walk. All right. Obviously, this is a a good time to pull up the show notes and and roll along with us here. Uh, I'm going to make sure we get the most recent posting of the thread in the show notes because it's got significantly more likes. But. Uh, so the example here is about, I had a, it was actually a friend of a friend who's just flipping Alibaba water bottles on Etsy, right? So this is just kind of the classic case of like, if you're like going into a store and there's like a nice water bottle, like nine out of 10 times, you can just jump on Alibaba, find that exact same piece, right? So this person was, was taking just like a nice water bottle and selling it on Etsy uh, for, what was it? 15 bucks on Etsy, right? And so um, what I did with this thread is break down, great, you've got a nice little hustle there that won't last all that long um, just because you're not adding value. I think in general, one of my principles in business in general is is uh, it's only ever gonna be as good as the amount of value that you add. So even if you've got a hustle that's making money, um, if you are not actually inserting value into the process, uh, you won't get that much out of it big picture, right? Um, so. Basically, what we break down here is just going through and taking this this flip of the water bottle and turning it into an actual brand and an actual product. And really, the the spirit of this whole thing is really like bootstrapping that. So doing this without getting ten thousand units of uh, of the packaging and without uh, spending a ton of money and laying out a bunch of uh, a bunch of capital on inventory to get there. So, you know, the first step is right. Uh, she was flipping blank water bottles. Step one is go and find the manufacturer and be like, what's my MOQ, minimum order quantity, to brand this thing, right? Um, Give me a one color logo on the water bottle. Okay, now we're cooking, right? Um, Next piece was a hang tag. So really, really easy way to elevate any product is to add add a hang tag. So a hang tag is like if you're buying a t-shirt in a store, You've got sizing, et cetera, but then you also just have a branded hang tag that'll typically be like, you know, through the, 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 the washing tag in the back, right? So you can Google, you know, uh, apparel hang tags. And again, you'll find like MLQ 10,000 units and it's this and it's that. Or you can go get a thousand business cards for 25, 25 bucks. You get a thick stock, so it's nice and premium. You hole punch the corner. You put a piece of yarn through it. Boom, you've got a hang tag, uh, again, without getting 10,000 of them or whatever it may be. Um, pack Lane is a, an, excellent, an excellent site for custom packaging if you want to pay away too much. But again, the spirit of this is like, how do we get it done? How do we get 100 units? How do we get 250 units so that we can elevate this without breaking the bank? And really... A lot of the time when you're using stock packaging, so if you're just getting a corrugated box or or a blank box, uh, that's actually much more expensive than going custom at scale. And then if you go to a place like Packlane, it's probably not going to be all that much more to get a custom box 
um, in the in these kind of qual excuse me, in these kinds of quantities. Um, obvious step, again, this is like the full gamut is the product photography, right? So you go from either something that you had stock from the manufacturer or some, you know, shitty photo that you took on your kitchen counter that kind of looks like it might be a product photo to, you know, go, go on Amazon, spend 40 bucks on a pure white backdrop uh, photo tent and then use a, a, a modern iPhone, whatever your, your 13, 13 pro, not a 13 max. Cause that is unwieldy and, and, <laughs> and weird. Um, uh, and, and, and elevate your product photos, right? You don't need a, a medium format, despite what Oren tells you, you don't need a medium format camera to get a decent product no, photo. Brother, we only, we shoot um, portraits in medium <laughs> format. Like if you see a picture of me on the internet, it's going to be medium format, but you don't need that for your product photos. Colin's completely right. Uh, but, uh, you know, that, that's the shtick, right? It's like, okay, brand the product. That's easy add hang tags and like low hanging fruit to elevate and then put it in custom packaging. Um, even if it's a little bit more expensive than what it'll be at scale. And pack lane is like, I don't know if you guys know of other or, or if you know of other places to do that kind of like super low minimum custom packaging, I don't like, that's kind of the place for that. Um, but then as soon as you get into volume, get the hell out of there, get on Alibaba and, uh, you will, you know, going from like a pack lane to actual quantity on Alibaba, you will be a fraction of the cost, probably 15, so 20%. I had, of the cost. I had to pop in, uh, you know, just a reminder of how easy some of the stuff is to do. I had to pop in the flippo real quick while Colin was talking and I found a, uh, I found an air fryer we- uh, website doing $747 a month on from Amazon. Affiliate? Yeah. From affiliate that is selling for $8,300. That again, if you were just selling your own air fryer, Yo. this is five years old, 15,000 page views a month. You can get for $8,300 and you can connect the Alibaba plug for air fryers immediately. Get two sizes. Yo. Like this is the wave. Yo, let's, Colin's buying it right you now. You said let's it's $8,000. Let's, 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 let's have There's let's only have eight the, hours left. Yo, let's have the, oh, it's an auction. We should have the Dow purchase it. We and then could, this we, would we, be we like could do the a first builders on. build joint. Yeah. We could do it. So real quick, I want to throw in here because this I was look, thinking about this as you were talking, Colin. A really also, good example. Bredopedia for sale. Get that bread. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say is that I think that like there's a lot of opportunity here too. If you if you're like a real brand builder and like you built something from scratch yourself and you got something great, I think you can use a lot of these products as sort of brand extensions. And so I think a really good example of this is like there's like someone who's a, a friend of mine. We should get him on the pod. I, I recently did his podcast, Jason Wong. Um, who is the founder of Doe, doelashes.com. Really like Doe, phenomenal, phenomenal branding. Yeah, sponsors of pod, Doe. Um, <laughs> but I don't even mean to call them out on this. It's just something I actually love and I think they did a great job with. But so they sell um, false eyelashes and they're crushing it. And the branding is phenomenal. And so I'm thinking about other things that sort of fit into this energy of, of, of the brand they've created. They have, they now sell the dough milk carton bottle. And I think you may, you guys may have seen these milk carton bottles before they're viral products. It's just a clear, I'll share it in the group. We can add it in the show notes, but it's just a clear, uh, just a clear milk carton that people like sort of drink out of like a water bottle. Right. And so what they've done is, you know, there, right. there's a lot of people, you know, you people put like boba in it, like boba tea, you know, bubble tea stuff. Um, and if you look at the packaging, to your point, Colin, they've taken this product that I know for sure it's just coming from a manufacturer in China, um, and they've really, really made the packaging beautiful and fit into their aesthetic. And uh, 
and they've got tons of reviews on it and I'm sure it's great and it looks it looks really really cool and so I just think it's interesting because it's you've gotten this you have a customer that's already here that loves you that loves you for your products like what else can you sell them without you know it's like maybe there's interesting brand extensions to go here and I think that Jason's done a phenomenal job with this dough milk carton bottle so everyone should check that out we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll link to it that made me think of Oren. Give us the breakdown on the mirror that you have in your oh, home. Oh yeah, uh, let's let's do it. Yeah, so this is a good. This is the uh, the mo inside my house is that I like really expensive things. We have some really expensive things, but there's plenty of things that we also just are inaccessible. And one of them is this mirror that like all the Hadids have, and and is and you know uh, Haley Bieber or whatever called the Ultra Fergola mirror. It's just like Italian high design mirror, and it's about fifteen thousand bucks on first dibs if you can even get one on first dibs. And so uh, we wanted this it mirror. We're definitely not going to spend fifteen thousand dollars on it. And it was like, okay, how do we get it? And so I just tooled around on Alibaba. There are multiple versions of it. I found the most reputable vendor, DM'd them, and then we ended up getting it. Uh, it's not quite the same. It's actually better. So the Ultra Fergola is like, it has one shade of color. It's a pink color. It's like an electric mirror and it has like a color around it. Whereas this one, the Alibaba knockoff version, looks super similar, um, but you can actually change the color. You can set it to, you know, alternate or you can change the brightness on it. It has a bunch of controls, which is great for like making content and things like that. But we ended up with this landed from China for a sub 800 bucks. Um, and, you know, which is like for us getting a nice mirror, that's about like where our, our budget would be. And uh, look, and it took, you know, seven or ten weeks or whatever it was yeah uh, i took a whole long time to get and i had to like talk to an import agent or whatever but like it was look it was one phone call it was a couple of dms on there to kind of to, to buy this thing it's beautiful it works it works great and uh and that's the kind of stuff where if you are doing a group buy like i posted on instagram recently and had like 14 people be like yo where can i get this mirror and a well i'd love to kind of go into the bootleg mirror brokering business that's not really kind of the steez but if you were ordering that a bunch of that with other people if i had gotten a container's worth you know, or half a container, then we would have saved like that price, like half of that was shipping. I think the mirror's actual cost was two ninety nine because it's like right. six feet tall in the mirror. You know, it's it's costing X more if you had gone, if I'd gone in on that with, with the homies and homettes, then uh, then we would have like, you know, we'd probably saved a significant amount there and gotten down that closer to four or five. But that's actually the case for, I've threaded this before, for all kinds of designer furniture. Uh, including like custom couches, including custom desks for offices. They have like, if you want to create something from scratch or you just want to buy a knockoff of like really nice, you know, DWR level stuff, like all of this is already being made overseas. And you can ask them, you know, flat out, like, is this the same comfort level of, you know, what you would buy from an Italian design or is this kind of not as good? And like people will tell you and say, yeah, this is a cheap version or no, this is essentially the same or, oh, do you want to get the option to have down inside of it instead of, you know, knockoff goose or whatever it is for feathering like that is all stuff that is possible on alibaba and just interesting way to save more in your life or customize more in your life and so on that like obviously everybody on alibaba is in the business of doing this wholesale so they're not super excited about selling one unit but the the combo here is like i need i want a sample right um and anybody that that would be looking at buying you know in in the furniture world i bet it's probably pretty normal to buy five or ten um, but it's also super normal to ask for a sample before you do such a thing. So, um, so similarly on this, if we got any parents listening to the pod, I know it's a, we've got a large diverse global listenership. If anybody's ever heard of the nugget couch, Orin, are you familiar with this? No, I don't know. The nugget couch. So the nugget couch is this, this like kids couch play thing. That's like these foam, uh, pieces that, that, kind of assemble into a couch, but then they're also just a bunch of pieces where you can like build forts and 
all kinds of stuff with them. They're super popular and like the company is like completely flooded with demand. They can't make nearly enough. It's a whole thing. You cannot get them. I think they're like 350 or something like that. You can get on Alibaba and search Nugget Couch and get a an exact Nugget Couch, um, a sample for like 80 bucks, right? And then you'll have to deal with shipping. So that's probably going to bump it up. But uh, uh, that's an, another place where like, again, not trying to get into the bootleg kids couch game, um, <laughs> but there's uh, uh, you can find all these things. It's a cool couch. I'm looking at it now. I, I'm I'm down to get it from for 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 my yeah. Spouse. I want a Nugget couch. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Adult. Sponsor the pod, Let's Nugget go. couch. Although Colin <laughs> just <laughs> tell you how to make. No. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You stop exactly. looking get for all sponsors the... by telling people how to bootleg their products. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, not the best. Uh, ever. Uh, no. And, and I, I want to. Um, okay. Go, James. I was going to say, I was going to just go into the next, to the, to the last, because I think, I think we're going on a little long here. I actually think it's been a great pod, but there is one last thing you have on this, on this, uh, on this yeah, doc. Or and this is really about like, if you are making stuff or you do have an idea, one thing that I've seen, again, we've helped a lot of companies with our agency, like make products and not all of it, you know, we've done our job all the time of like making the product, but sometimes people make things that people don't actually want. And it's key to actually <laughs> be measuring that no. and to know it. And, and also not rely on, like, if I'm telling you, hey, I don't think anyone's going to want that. Like, hey, I'm probably right, you know, but I might be wrong. And also, if you're saying, you need to know when to doubt or not, one of the most useful things about that is this concept of net promoter score. So net promoter score is you ask a question to your audience and say, would you recommend this product to a friend on a scale of one to 10? And if they answer one to three, I believe, or one to two, they're a detractor. They would not recommend you, or there's you know, some sliding scale. If they answer you know, nine and 10, they're a promoter. That means that they're someone who's an advocate. And what you want to, and then it scores you in the middle. And you basically, if you have a positive score, you are going somewhere. If you have a negative score, you probably have a problem with your product. And this is a tool that uh, is actually a little bit harder to measure. And there's a bunch of services that, that will do it, but they all kind of cost money than you might think. And I would always recommend that people are Asking this question and using this tool is the simplest way to get the answer of is your product compelling and succeeding versus any other thing you could possibly do or any research groups or studies is the people you are selling to like ask them this question. It's just a tried and true method. And uh, and like, I recommend doing that. And so, you know, it's not just anecdotally you're looking at your sales numbers like is what you make really resonating and don't be afraid to kill it if it's not like. Colin knows we have a bunch of stuff stuck in both of our basements from products we've worked on together and others that like just didn't work <laughs> and like didn't make it. And the packaging exists and the product exists and you end up eating some money and it is what it is. But one thing I respect, like there's this woman, uh, a friend of, of my wife's who has done, I've watched her do like seven projects. Like she had a jewelry company and she had another jewelry company. Then she had a, like a footwear idea and a bunch of these were like not quite right and didn't make it. And then she got uh, um, a pregnancy uh, like dress business that just cracked. And you could watch her just continue to throw these things at the wall. I remember we we're always looking at it being like, ah, I don't know. Is that going to work? And then she got the one and you're like, okay, got it. And guess what? She's probably sitting on hundreds of thousands of dollars of random inventory over time and like broke even on some of those, but she found the one, right? And she kept going. And I think that when you kind of find that, and if you're measuring that along the way, you're not afraid to give up. You're also not afraid to ask the question and really know where you stand because you might even surprise yourself positively. It's a super useful thing. So this link we have here in the show notes is just some top NPS tools. And I don't know, any other recommendations you guys have for, for you know making something people actually want? Well, no, I mean, I was going to say, well, first of all, what I think is really interesting about the NPS stuff, just to touch on real quick before I go into that, is that uh, I know that sort of at scale, NPS becomes this thing that people really flex. And I think that when you're selling a business, having a really high NPS is really useful as well. 
right? So it's, it's, there's an implication to the acquirer that uh, maybe that if there are other channels that aren't being run, they might be able to run really well, i.e. like play other places to drive traffic, other ways to sell this product. Like it's worth trying other ways because you know that the customers actually truly love this. Um, but in terms of, you know, we should do a whole nother, uh, we could do a whole nother deep dive, but in terms of other tools, I just, I'm a huge, huge fan. And this goes back to everything I've touched on this pod, which is about me only selling products to audiences that already exist. It's like, I'm a huge fan of surveying, surveying, which clearly getting your net, 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 net promoter score is a piece of, um, but also like pre-selling, right? Like I have, I have sold products before I had them or existed before and was very happy to refund people if they didn't, if we, uh, if we, if there wasn't enough demand for it. Um, and I think that one thing I realized recently is that is literally what Kickstarter is. This is literally all Kickstarter is in all regards, right? Kickstarter is a platform in which you get to pre-sell to an audience. And if enough people buy it, then you go and create the product. And if not, everyone gets their money back, right? And, I, and that only clicked for me really recently. I think a lot of people have a really tough time with the concept of let me sell this product before I actually have made it. And everyone on Kickstarter is selling products they have not made yet. And it's totally fair. If you, as long as, you know, you're sort of above board about it and you're not totally lying, I don't have any problem with that. So, you know, sort of surveying and pre-selling, I'm very on board with as as ways to create products that you know will have demand, that you find PMF or product market fit um, before you create it. So that's that's on that. Validate. Exactly. 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 Um, But yeah, Yeah, I think think it's, I mean, coming... Going back to your question, Orin, I think it's really easy to get wrapped up in, right? The beginning of all these things is like solving a problem. So that generally will start with a problem that I have. It's easy to get lost in, in, in the sauce there and not go out to the world and make sure that somebody else has had that problem too and that anybody else would be interested in this kind of thing. And before you get to NPS scores and surveys and all this stuff, like, you just got to go and go and solicit that and really like look for the answers that you're not wanting to hear um, to talk you off the ledge or I guess maybe the, the opposite of that. But uh, you can save save a lot of, I don't know about heartache, certainly some dollars. Yeah, 100%. All right. Looks like my camera ran out of juice, but uh, look, I think there's cool. a bunch of alpha on this pod. If you're creating any products, feel free to hit us all up. Again, call to action for the first time on this pod, you know, builders.build slash CPG. And yeah, stay rich, money Twitter. Stay rich, stay rich subscribe. Twitter. $100 million uh, offers. Please. Perfect look. Let's go.